Hey, dealmakers, and welcome to the show where it's all about financial freedom with real estate. Let's do this. You're listening to the Financial Freedom with Real Estate Investing podcast, hosted by Garrett Lynch and Michael Blanc, where we talk all about how you can achieve financial independence through apartment building investing. Whether you're just starting out or you want to scale your syndication business, this is the show for you. This is the show for you. Got a great show for you today here. We are here with Brian Wagers today. Young guy, got started in his 20s. And at 29, he's financially free. He's got several hundred units and is really scaling this thing to a, a higher level. And really the thing, the different is he discovered the importance of platform building of marketing. So we're going to talk about scaling today. Super exciting to get into his story. But before we do, I want to give a shout out to Nemo, Nemo3. Okay, I love all these names on iTunes. I love that. He gave this. Michael and his team have truly created something special in the space. This is my go-to thought leadership platform. Between the tremendous amount of value they provide and the array of different perspectives, this is the best multifamily podcast I have found. Keep up the good work, guys, and thanks. Appreciate that, Nemo. Thanks for that review. Also want to highlight uh, one of our students, Duamel Velon. In fact, we interviewed him a few episodes ago in 317. And we just haven't recognized him here on, on the show because he just start, started with a purchase syndicated deal analyzer and now he manages over 203 units. And so uh, he still uses the SDA for all his deals as as much as, as we do as well. Now, if, if you want to get started with apartment building investing and you want to scale faster and become financially free and maybe avoid some of the bigger mistakes, then consider mentoring. Check us out at themichaelblank.com forward slash mentor and schedule a call with us and just explore if mentoring is right for you. We just have a super high success rate with our mentoring students. We have a system that we call Dealmaker Certification. Uh, we know what's going to work and get you in a deal and become financially free. In fact, we're the only program that guarantees that you'll do a deal in the first year. So really excited about that. We can do that only because we've done it so many times. So hopefully you'll have a conversation with us. And with that, let's bring on Garrett. Garrett, what's going on? What's going on, Michael? So today we're going to talk about scaling, okay? We talk about the first deal a lot. We talk about financial freedom, and those are super, super important. Uh, but what I found is that a lot of syndicators don't think about scale. And I was a little bit like that as well, where you kind of get into it and you put you know, one foot in front of the other. You do one deal and one deal, and then all of a sudden there's an issue. Oh, my gosh, I didn't think of that. And you fix it, and you keep moving forward, and then a wheel comes off, and you fix it. And, and, and so over the years, you kind of figure out how to scale the business, and I'm wondering, looking back at maybe what you did in your previous partnership or even with Nighthawk, are some things that had we sat down and really thought about how we want to scale, is there some things that we would have maybe done differently? Yeah, I think one of the bigger ones is to not rely on just one vendor in any capacity. And what I mean by that, that that's, that's not only you know, like your handyman or your construction companies or whatever that exists. But it's also like property management companies. It's it's a lot of different things that always have some kind of backup, just in case something goes sideways. Because things do, and you want to make sure that you have a, a deep bench on that side of the business. And really, we've been going through this in different capacities. One example: we start a relationship with a brand new contractor on unit renovations. They're going to handle you know whatever turnkey unit renovations and. Something happens, it blows up with a job in a different state. And all of a sudden, they're not hitting their, their timing and their budget. And you're left stuck there. You're kind of at their mercy because they're the only one that's been doing your, all your unit renovations. Well, now you have to go try to source someone else. You have to go, you lose time. People have move-ins. 
it's a whole thing. And so, you know, we're in a position now where we have like six or seven of them and we just trade them out. All right. You know what? You're done. New guy, you're, you're stepping in. You got the work now, figure out the contract and it, and it changes. And so you can do that on every single level with any kind of vendor that you're using so that you're not stuck in the mud relying on them to handle things. I think that's I mean, a big one. I mean, if, if it happened in one, on one property, yeah, that's bad enough, but it's happening across a portfolio of five. Uh, and the only thing lesson learned that we would do differently is focus on construction sooner. So in fact, now we have a full-time construction manager. We have a full-time assistant to the construction manager because we find ourselves to be in the construction business. It's such a big part of our portfolio. And we're like, man, why are we struggling with this stuff? Because typically in the beginning, you trust your property manager to handle construction. And they can. You have a small deal. They have a single deal. It's not a big deal. They handle construction. Okay, great. Now you get a little bigger construction that involves some bigger stuff inside and outside. And then you, you add two or three to it. All of a sudden, the wheels are coming off. And this is what I'm what I'm saying is there's there's scale. And you know, and we were guilty of this as Gary. You know, we would get through this and we go, all of a sudden, you know, something bad happens. We're like, oh crap, we have a fire burning, you know? And we run and put the fire out. We put the fire, we're like, whew, fire's out. And now if another fire starts over there, we run and put the fire out versus, you know, sitting down a little more intentionally and going, okay, what possible fires? might be burning if we continue adding deals to our portfolio. And like, that's that's one thing. And we're going to talk about this on the show. That's, that's a huge point. And to kind of tie them together, if you rely on your property manager for every part of your business, think about if they, they think about how much leverage they have on you. So they're them alone. You may not want to leave them because they're doing your construction and the construction is going well but they're not doing well on the operations side. So we've made pivots and we've purposely put ourselves in a position where we can do things ourselves. In the event something does go sideways, we're not reliant on one particular company to survive. And I think that has helped over time. You know, it's it's not been a perfect science, of course, but it's been a big help to have that maneuverability as a scalable entity. And one of the things that I didn't pay attention too much attention to, and this is very common in syndicators, is paying attention to marketing. And this is really kind of what we're going to talk about with Brian Wagers here as well. He figured this out as well. He started investing in real estate in his 20s. Now, he's at 29 years old. He's got a portfolio of 361 units. And he did all that stuff you know, before really thinking about marketing. Actually, it was a couple hundred units. And so he realized it was a problem. You couldn't meet with enough people one-on-one to really raise more and more capital. And so he started paying attention to marketing. He joined one of our programs that's for more advanced indicators called Platform Builders, where we really teach people how to market. And that's exactly what he did. And it launched him to a whole new new level. And so we're going to get into why that happened, how he was forced to do that. And I think the lesson here is, let's start thinking about here as early syndicators, let's think about scale earlier on, but you can see what difference marketing made to his business. Let's get an interview with Brian Wagers. Brian, welcome to the show today. Hey, Michael. Hey, Garrett. So you've done a bunch of stuff. You quit your job recently too, all right? I am not in my job. So I, I, it's a business more than a job, but yeah, it's uh, I'm separated from that. Yeah, I love that. We're going we're gonna to get into that. And you've raised a bunch of money and done a bunch of deals. And we really want to kind of, kind of see what, what was, uh, how did you get started in real estate early on? Like what was going on in your life and, and how, how were you going to solve that? What was, was going on? Yeah. So I was in sales right out of college. I, I jumped into the sales world, which I highly recommend for anyone that 
is unsure as far as what career path they want to go. But I had been with the company uh, for three years and I was starting to max out my Roth IRA accounts. And I knew I had to do something else outside of, you know, just putting money in that, that 401k and just watching it. So I played my hand at the stock market, tried to dive into that a little bit. I lost money in a company called GoPro. So I put a bunch of money on GoPro and watched that went from $35 to $5. And I had no control over that. So it, it led me to real estate. So, you know, when I was doing research, it was either the stock market or real estate as a way to build wealth. And, you know, that the stock market way didn't go particularly how I planned. And it was a lot out of my control. So all roads led me back to real estate and I had money saved up and I bought a single family home, managed it myself and everything. Yeah. So I think mean, that's, that's a very common thing, Brian, you read that purple book and real estate, passive income, and you got to buy a house, right? That's, you got to do it. It's, it's a requirement though. Of course the book never actually says it specifically. You're thinking got to buy a house now. So did you buy another house and another house? Did it kind of work out a thing or, or how did you end up get finally getting into apartments? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I had it rented out pretty quickly. I didn't have any like tenant horror stories. There was no busted toilets at 3 a.m. or anything, but I was in there and, you know, the income was coming in and just kind of doing the math, it was going to take way too long to get where I wanted to be, you know? So there was no crazy aha moments. It was just the the foreshadowing of scale and looking forward on what I wanted to do. And that led me to, you know, particularly your information out there. You know, a lot of people get started on bigger pockets. They get that information. You know, I think that may be like the, the beginner's course as far as if you want to get into real estate. And, you know, I think I heard one of your podcasts on there and it drew me to your kind of platform. And that's when I really dove into multifamily. And uh, I had a 12 before I sold that that single family home. I had a 12 unit under contract. That's that's pretty cool. So you decide. So what were some of your earlier steps that you did, right? Because you're you're reading a book or listening to a podcast, like oh, apartment buildings, that's great. But I only have like one or two houses. I don't have a million dollars in a bank. You know, what was your plan to get into multifamily, and what did you actually do then? Yeah. So I I made a decision to get into multifamily. That was the the first thing. I knew that I was just going to go after multifamily, nothing else. So I just started looking for multifamily properties. I, I set up notifications for anything. You know, you can do it on the realtor app. Uh, you know, pretty simple. That was what I did back then. I reached out to some commercial brokers. Hey, I, I'm in real estate and I'm looking to continue to grow. I started talking to friends and family and letting them know what I was doing and really get educated on space. So I, I had your syndicated deal analyzer. That was a huge help as far as underwriting deals. I went to, I'm not sure if it was Dealmaker Live, the name of it, but one of your events in DC brought my wife out there with me, you know, to really get hands-on experience and be around other people that were doing the same thing. So those were some of my first steps. Yeah. So you listened to a bunch of podcasts and then I think you, you, you started using syndicated deal analyzer and then took one of our online courses, which we now call Dealmaker Training. And then that's right. You did come to one of our live events up in DC and and so all right, so you got some education through the course. You learn how to underwrite deals, which is critical. Why are these events so important? Why were they so important to you? Because it's not the only one you went to, right? Yeah, it's important. I mean, it's it, 
one to get around other people that are thinking like you and get around people that are actually doing deals to talk to them. And, and that event, we actually walked through a deal. So that was huge as far as like, okay, step-by-step, step, what happens? What are we saying to the commercial broker? How are we figuring out if this is a good deal or not? So simulating a live deal was huge for me on that actual event. But then talking to other people that were maybe had their first couple apartment complexes or someone who had hundreds of units or people who had thousands of units and people had, so you see all different aspects of the, the multifamily game. So that was huge as far as eye-opening for me. Yeah, because you're you're kind of you know doing this on your own. You kind of think you're you kind of crazy, right? So you tell your friends, "I'm going to buy an apartment building." Like, right? Sure, you are, right? You nut, you know. And then and so you you kind of it kind of feel like you're kind of crazy until you get one of these other events. You're like, "Oh my gosh, there's a whole bunch of crazy people here," and it's it's actually kind of liberating. It's kind of it's kind of encouraging as well. What did you do to get into your first maybe second deal? Yeah, so that that first deal. I was on the MLS, you know, so a lot of the smaller deals, you know, you, you see get traded by some of the uh, residential brokers, you know, so stuff that's under 50 units, you know, a lot of times residential brokers can, will get their hands on it and it fell off the MLS, but I was staying in touch with the commercial broker, you know, by the time that I had convinced my partner to invest with me, it was, it was already under contract. But one thing I did was I stayed in touch with a commercial broker I went on his website and everything, and you know, I, I let him know, hey, I missed out on this one, but I'm interested in, in more deals. And sure enough, the deal came back on. Uh, I hadn't, it didn't show up on the MLS, but he posted it up on his website. So right as he posted that up, I, I called him the same day and I told him, hey, I'm ready to get this under contract. I'll meet you at the property. Let's get this going. So that was how the first one went, and then after that, I, I did some seller financing deals. I did, uh, you know, a bunch of joint ventures and now I'm doing syndication, you know, so I've done multifamily just about every way you can do it. So I knew that I wanted to get into multifamily. It didn't really, for me, it wasn't one way or the other. I just wanted to get deals done. So Brian, when you were, you're kind of sourcing deals and, uh, you know, that obviously, well, you, first of all, you did something to really good strategy is to keep with deals and, and chase them around as through the life cycle. I used to actually put on my calendar when they were supposed to go under contract and then when they were supposed to go hard so that I knew when those dates were. And if they didn't hit them, I was right there to, to reach back out to the broker and say, Hey, did this go under contract? Okay. Did it go hard? Once it went hard, I was kind of like, all right, you know, I didn't track it as much anymore, but I would say, listen, if this does fall out, reach back out to me. So I like that you're kind of chasing it, even though it came off the MLS. Uh, that's a really good strategy. But while you were doing all this, how did you know that you had the money there? Like what, what was, where did that come from? How did you kind of source that capital? How did you have the confidence to move down the path with, with that? Yeah. And to your point, like that, that wasn't the first time that a deal I went after went under contract with someone else, but I followed up with a broker and was able to get it. So, I mean, that's, that's huge follow-up on every aspect of the business, not just the commercial broker, but, you know, investor side as well. But for me, I was talking, it was my girlfriend at the time, her dad had owned, you know, as I'm talking to people, like my friends and family, I'm telling my girlfriend about it too. And, you know, sure enough, her dad owns, you know, 10 single family homes, free and clear. And I had to 
the, what took me so long was to convince him, hey, leverage can be a good thing. You know, they went through the 08 crash and everything, and they were used to owning these real estate deals, you know, free and clear, and they were super conservative. But I was able to show them, you know, worst case, scenario, you know, through the using that analyzer tool, you know, almost like, hey, here's what we're going to have it under contract for. Here's worst case scenario. Here's worst case scenario. We're breaking even. Uh, here's best case scenario. You're crushing your returns of these single family deals that you're doing and you're not having to deal with the the headaches of it. So finally I had convinced him to do it. And once I had that, I knew that I was good to go with it. But, you know, I, I wasn't sure that I was going to have that money, but I knew if I got this deal under contract for what I wanted to do, it's going to be a good deal. And I was just going to go through my phone book and just call everyone I knew and just try to put it together. But I, I, I had that uh, conversation with him as well. So there was a couple of different sources, but I had been talking about it a little bit as I was going to these events and, you know, getting my education on it. So you were talking about other people about real estate. It wasn't the first time you heard, but when you had a live deal, it's like, like literally the first time you asked someone to invest. Yeah, that was the first <laughs> time, you know, so the single family was my, my life savings of the time, you know, was for that. And for that, that was my first you're you kind of warming it up though you weren't it wasn't yeah. just a cold deal here you go i got one who wants to get in you had a few conversations prior and you know if you guys want to take it a step further out there you make like a fake package of, of a, a deal that might look like that the deal that you're going to buy and you take that and shop it around to get people interested but to just go cold out there, like some people think, oh, I just find the deal and the money comes. It's not true. You got to have some relationships out there. That's and right. You, you gotta, still had relationships in your phone book to call. That's, uh, that's right. That's right. It's like Jordan Harbinger. You got to dig the well before before you're thirsty. Yeah, I'm curious, exactly. Brian, how many how many people did you call? Like a handful? You know, I, I was ready. So I hadn't actually called anyone before that. I had people ready to call. You know, I knew I was going to have to call on that first deal at you know, I, I was going to go through the the list of people that I had. I had about 20 people that I knew were, you know, higher income earners and people that I had conversations with before. But luckily, you know, after a lot of conversation, it wasn't cold. So it wasn't like, hey, I, I'm buying multifamily real estate now. So it was, hey, this is what I'm looking at. I'm going to these seminars. I'm doing these courses. I'm talking to these other people. You know, I have, I, I considered you a, mentor even though you weren't we weren't mentoring directly yet so i i considered you and spoke of you as a mentor and hey this guy has thousands of units under his portfolio so i'm able to leverage that track record uh and that's where i'm getting my education from yeah to garrett's point though i mean it was conversations you've had weeks possibly months before so when you made that call they're like oh yeah yeah i've been finally i mean doesn't take long to do a first deal so that's pretty cool so on that first deal how much money did you did you raise uh for that first uh, one? 125,000. all right that's awesome how much was the actual property Five hundred thousand. all right so five hundred thousand. that's pretty cool now your second one how big was that one how'd you, how'd you raise you for your second one yeah so my second one was a 20 unit deal and that was about a million just over a million purchase price mm -hmm. um and i was actually able to convince the seller to carry back 20 percent no so that was so, from the seller on that one that's pretty cool you didn't have to raise any capital for that what about your your third how much capital did you raise for that so my third deal was 52 unit deal and that was raised 
it was $2.5 million purchase price, raised about 700000 for that one, 750. So, so what did you do to go from 125 to essentially 750? It's a pretty, pretty big jump there. Yeah. So, I mean, as I'm networking, you know, looking for deals, I'm, I'm networking with people that are, are looking to, to get into real estate. So I actually partnered with a property manager, a commercial broker, and another family member. So these were people still in my inner circle. You know, it wasn't, I hadn't quite started the marketing train that I have now, but it was just starting those conversations with people that I'm talking about real estate with. And you can raise a considerable amount of money as you have, have done, you know, with one-on-one -on -one conversations like you've done. At what point did you start feeling like you need to do something different in order to scale this business? And when, when did you first become aware that you actually wanted to scale a business? Like, what did that look like? I think from the beginning, I knew that I wanted to continue to scale, you know, but that looked a lot different than what it is now. You know, that was piecing together 50-unit deal here, 12-unit there. You know, I think when I had a couple units under my ownership, a couple hundred units, you know, with just me, uh, my father-in-law now, and a couple other partners, the property manager, commercial broker. I knew that one, there was only, you know, so I, I'm doing this in my backyard. There's only so much inventory in my backyard of Arkansas. I'm here in Northwest Arkansas. There's not a lot of units here. Um, and I knew that I was going to have to scale up outside of my market. And I knew I was eventually going to run out of you know, friends and family to to do that. So going to these events, seeing these other people with hundreds and hundreds, thousands of units, you know, it's something where it's not just something you're talking about. You can look and see and look at that person. And, okay. If that person's doing it, why, why wouldn't I be able to do it? So it was, you know, I had this track record of doing these deals by myself and putting these deals together. I knew that I had something going, you know, I have, I've, I've seen every part of the deal and now I can really use that to to scale up. You know, I, I've got, I can see all parts of the deal, but I knew that I was going to have to go one, go outside of my market and two, go outside of my friends and family. If I really wanted to build a business. If you want to work with a full-time syndicator to help you get up to speed faster, get your first deal done this year and scale your portfolio so you can quit your job, then check out our mentoring program. It's at the michaelblank.com forward slash mentor. It's the only program out there that actually guarantees results. That's right. We actually guarantee that you do your first deal in the first year. Otherwise, we'll keep working with you and set up a, a strategy session call and explore whether it's right for you. It's the michaelblank.com forward slash mentor. I was selling knives. This is a weird, this is because you mentioned sales in the beginning. Yeah. And in We were selling a product called Cutco, which I now gift to people. Yeah. <laughs> um, He's got a gift. From a commercial broker, Cutco Knife. Yeah, yeah, it's a, great, it's a great gift. So people wouldn't go very far in that business if they couldn't get outside of their friends and family. So they had to constantly be working, be asking for references outside of that. And I was able to make that last for like five years. And so just asking for future references. But in, in our business, part of it is it's either getting out there on podcasts, it's getting to events and meeting people. It's whatever form of that. You have to be able to get outside of that friends and family circle to be able to raise money efficiently. And so you started to kind of scale up even, even like a platform. Talk to us about how you did that. Yeah. So, and, and those, and that is good experience too. You know, the cut, cut that I'm sure that sales experience has like taught you like Stay things right like here. 
Yeah, it's like it's, you use that every day, and, and some of that stuff, like it's part of your foundation. I think each level is is part of your foundation to continue to level up. But for me, you know, it was back to what I knew. You know, okay, I I, I know Michael, and not to like you know love on him too much, but I could tell he was authentic, and I could tell he knew what he was doing. You know, he's got he's kind of a nerd nerded out a little bit, and he's also got the so I knew that I trusted, I trusted Michael. So I, I was familiar with the platform builders program. So my wife, she's got a background in marketing and, you know, I was, one of my goals was to retire her from real, you know, to let her retire. So, you know, for me, it wasn't, I wasn't like, man, I hate my job and I got to get out of here. You know, some people, you know, that is a thing. And for me, it was, you know, one of the, one, the generational wealth and two for her to have a, her own business and be able to retire. So uh, that's when we signed up for the platform builders program. So I had my wife kind of take the lead on that um, with her background in marketing, but I joined it with her, the two of us. So that was huge instrumental for us. You know, I, before that, I didn't even have a business card before that I was doing all I was doing. And I built a portfolio of about a couple hundred units with no business card or no website or anything like that. So, you know, she took the lead on that. We developed the web websites the lead magnet got booked on a bunch of podcasts. Um, so that really started the kind of the marketing material, you know, creating business, social media pages, which was important, you know, so I, I wasn't really looking at that aspect of the business, you know, I was focused on getting deals done, you know, so that's something I could have done more simultaneously as I was doing deals from the beginning. But that was in about 2020 when we made the decision to really grow our business to the next level and, and join the platform builders program. It's so common. Got real estate investors think they're in a real estate investing business. And maybe in the beginning you are. But when you get to a certain point, like you with a couple hundred units, you start shifting from a real estate investing business and you're becoming a fund manager, right? And as a fund manager, you get into marketing and sales. You have to. You have to invest in your business to generate more leads that leads to investing dollars, right? And so now you're in you're essentially you know a marketing business. So you have now this website, you have a lead magnet, which is basically a fancy word for saying it's a free download. And you do that to capture leads. And then people basically book a call with you. You want, to base, you want people to find you through your brand and book a call with you. And so what have you done? So you have this core platform, these, all these automations that do a bunch of stuff so that leads are downloading your free magnet and you're getting in the schedule call. And so you've done all that. And then what did you decide to do with regards to content and channels? Like, did you focus on a particular channel for your content or what did you do there? Yeah. So in the beginning, I, my focus was podcast, just getting out and telling my story. You know, I had an interesting story about, you know, building up this portfolio just by myself and with some friends and family. So that was my main focus. You know, we, we built out Instagram and Facebook and LinkedIn, and even created a YouTube page. So we hired one of the guys, that, the YouTube brand content guys that came and spoke at one of the platform builders events. And we kind of went off with the YouTube videos, but now the focus has been more Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. But I, we do have a YouTube page. Just, you know, I think it's important. I think it's important to have, you know, some sort of presence on each of the platforms, but like you mentioned, focus on two or three that you like doing. So for us, it was, you know, podcast, Facebook, LinkedIn. What has all that been doing for your business? Yeah, it's, 
not keeping me a secret, you know, it's, it's letting people know what I'm doing. You know, I, I think a lot of people want to get involved in real estate and, and people in your inner circle that you may have not thought, maybe you might've think thought you had like, okay, if I'm going to get into real estate, these people are probably going to invest with me. But once you start putting the word out there, there's people in your inner circle that you didn't know were in your inner circle that want to get involved in real estate, you know? So I think it starts there too. And then, it grows to people that may not be in your inner circle. And it may be people that know someone that knows someone that knows you. So it really just grows that sphere of, you know, people that you're involved with. So I, I was doing this business for a while, the old school way before I had a, I had a business 3,400 units in my last one and nothing to do with platforms or anything like that, but I'd seen a lot in the business. And then I, you know, I'd even started working with Michael for a little bit, little while. And I started to see how these, you know, some of these things work, but then I, I actually took the, the platform builders course and I was like, man, there's so many things I didn't even know that, that like about avatars and this and that. And, like, yeah, avatars. and then, and it was like, and it's kind of an intensive course, but it's, it was good. I was like, wow, I feel like I've, this whole world has just opened up. And I'm just curious because, you know, I, I took it as well. I was like, how did Michael come up with this? First of all, because this is great. <laughs> like, I was like, it's pretty, pretty nuts. It's that marketing geek and I'm. Yeah, yeah, ex- exactly. So it, it, it works. So I'm just curious, like, what if anything from that, that you took away that kind of helped you scale out that was, that was just impactful for you? Because I know I had a, a, quite a few. Yeah. I mean, the brand, like you're, you're creating your brand image, I think is, is important too. like, what, what's your message and what's your app? You mentioned it right there. What's your avatar. So who are the people that are going to relate to you or who are the people, what kind of connection can you have with a certain uh, uh, amount of people? It's not just going to be, I want all high net worth individuals to invest. I mean, we all want, that's great, but you know, you kind of want to hone in on that. So whether, you know, you've got guys down there, like maybe they were a physician or maybe they have family in the military that they're, they're tracking, or maybe they, you know, dent, there's people that zone in on dentists. For me, it was, you know, busy professionals and business owners was, was kind of what I nailed down on guys that were doing well in their corporate job that may not, their time is better spent elevating themselves in their, their company, you know, where, but they want to get involved in real estate. So that, that was kind of my avatar was, you know, some high level executives or your, you know, high level sales professionals that were, that were growing with their company that want to diversify outside of that. You know, you get to now kind of the coolest part about it is you can, you can now look at the, you have the kind of the newer method of raising capital, but you can still combine it with the interpersonal relationships and you get, you just have more people to, to form relationships with. You have a, a bigger pool because your reach is out there, right? So you start them in, they already know you. So that makes that conversation even easier when you go back versus just going for coffee at the, you know, like we used to do on the, on the other side, you have kind of a range of how you can raise capital, how you can meet people, which I think is really powerful. Yeah, yeah. Do you have an example of someone that you met? You know, I don't have to mention name, but someone that you met literally purely so just through social media and and ended up invest, investing with you. Like, can you describe how that might have happened? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I was on a podcast before, and they heard my story, and they were in there. They had been with their company for about ten years, 
And they knew they had want to be, they wanted to invest in real estate for about five years. They've been with their company for 10 years and they just resonated with my story and they reached out to me. They, they downloaded my ebook, signed up on it, and they sent me an email like, hey, I've been working with FedEx for 10 years now. You know, I, I'm looking to, I've been trying to get involved in real estate for a long time. You know, I wanted to do it myself, but I've been kicking the idea around forever. So the conversation started there. We had a couple more conversations and they've invested in three of three of my deals with me. So it was just solely from listening to me on a podcast. I, I just love that. And you know, it really shows the power of the platform that you've met someone that you would never have met without having the platform in place, without you getting on a podcast or even YouTube. I love that. I talked about scaling a little earlier on and you said, man, I, I wish I would have thought about this earlier. And again, this is very, very common that syndicators don't really think about scale. They don't, they, they kind of approach it more of a, of a hobby or side gig, probably because they can't really believe that they can do it. And then once they've done their first deal, like, oh my gosh, I can do this, or maybe, maybe I got lucky, right? And they do a second deal. And at one point they start thinking out, oh my gosh, I need to scale this. And the marketing is like the last piece they think about. And so if you were to go back to maybe even before you did your first deal, like if you were to think about your scaling plan, right? At the time, like what would you do different from a scaling perspective? Yeah, start talking about it more, you know, start marketing more, creating a pay, like I would have joined the platform builders program in the beginning, you know, created a base. I think it's good to have a marketing foundation just as it is, the real estate foundation, you know? So I think if you're going after deals, you can do the marketing at the same time. So that I, like I mentioned before, it wasn't until 2020 that we really, that we joined the platform builders program and really started like pushing the marketing piece. And I've been doing real estate since about four years before that. So getting the marketing out there is, is really important. You know, there, there's two forms of the multifamily business, you know, or any bit, you know, it's deal flow and capital flow. So I was really focused on the deal flow. I, you know, I, I knew that the capital flow was a thing and I thought, you know, just the friends and family could keep me busy for a while, but I think you can really scale even faster if, if you can do both at the same time. Yeah, Brian, that's, that's a great point. Brian, how can people reach you if they want to get in touch with you? Yeah. So I'm on uh, Instagram, you know, Brian Wagers or Facebook, Brian Wagers, wagerscapital.com slash wealth plan. I've got a book on that uh, for you guys as well. Awesome. Thank you so much, Brian. We really appreciate your time on this show. Thanks, Garrett. Thanks, Michael. All right. To me, the great takeaway is that we got to start thinking about scale a little earlier on. I mean, we don't want to confuse people with, oh my gosh, let's talk about how to get to a thousand units. Okay. It's just, it doesn't really, it's not helpful when you haven't done a first deal yet and you're maybe not even sure you can do it. Okay. It's not helpful to say, hey, let's, let's get, let's sit you down and talk about your scaling plan to a thousand units. You're like, you're going to be so overwhelmed that you're not even going to start. So therefore, we don't even do that with people who haven't done a first deal yet. However, when someone has done a first deal, okay, we call that person a deal maker professional because you've crossed the line from a hobbyist, side gigger, to, I don't know if I can do this. Like, oh my gosh, I just did this. And now you need to approach the business more as a professional, as a business person. You are now building a business. You've proved it once. And my gosh, there's about 100% chance you can do it again and again and again. Therefore, let's take some time 
right now and really talk about a scaling plan. Like, let's talk about revenue coming in. What, how many, what deals are you projecting? What are the acquisition fees, asset management fields? How much capital do you raise? What kind of marketing do I need to do? What kind of people might I have to hire, right? And really think about that. I think that's the lesson to me. And that's what Brian was saying. And I agree with him. We should all have this conversation, you know, earlier in our careers. Yeah, I think that anyone can make this a hobby. And the, with the value that this business brings, you, you owe it to yourself to kind of treat it like that, that professional, scalable thing that it really is, because it can change your life. And one thing I really liked that Brian mentioned was that the math just didn't work out on the single family scaling right away. He's like, did the math. He's like, wait, something isn't adding up here. If I try to scale this business, it's going to be a lot more headache than a multifamily business. And so there's, there's so many different versions of how you can turn this into a scalable entity, but you're in the, the best part is you're in this, the vehicle, you just have to figure out how to operate it. You're, you, you found the right vehicle. So turn it into whatever you, you can make it from there. And you're going to have a much easier time than a single family game. I just love the art of the deal. I love syndications. It's a little true definition of entrepreneur, making something happen out of thin air, right? You don't have a deal. You have nothing. You don't have capital. You put it all together. All of a sudden, you have this multi-million dollar vehicle we just talked about. And that's what I love about it. And that's what's so rewarding about this. Now, you might be listening to this right now and going, you know what? Eh, it's just way too complex. I'm just going to give you, I just want to invest. And there's nothing wrong with cashing, you know, checks or 15 to 20% average and return on your money that essentially is tax-free and is just fantastic in this inflation environment. So if you're a more of a passive investor kind, or maybe you want to do a little both, We'd love to have a conversation with you at Nighthawk Equity, which is our investment company, right? We teach you guys how to buy apartment buildings, but we also buy apartment buildings. We actually do what we say we do. And uh, if you're more of a passive investor type, we'd love to have a conversation with you at nighthawkequity.com. Click the join button, fill out a short form and schedule a call with us. And we'd love to brief you on some of our upcoming opportunities that we might have for you to partner with us in. So anyway, guys, this is a, a real business. And if you haven't done your first deal yet, Think of it more like a foregone conclusion that you're going to do your first deal. That's the way I think about it. You just got to keep moving forward, educate yourself, and keep taking action. And when you do that, you will do your first deal. You quit your job, and all of a sudden, you are building a company that will leave generational wealth for you and your family. So hopefully, you find that inspiring. Catch you guys next time. Thanks for listening. Take the next step toward financial freedom by checking out our Freedom Vault, where you can find free resources to help you with apartment building investing. Whether you're an active investor just starting out or looking to scale your syndication business or looking to invest passively, head over to themichaelblanc.com vault to gain access to our Freedom Vault.